Our scripture reading this morning comes from Psalm 42. As a deer longs for flowing streams, so my soul longs for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and behold the face of God? My tears have been my food day and night, while people say to me continually, where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I went with the throng and led them in procession to the house of God with glad shouts and songs of thanksgiving, a multitude-keeping festival. Why are you cast down, O my soul, and why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my help and my God. My soul is cast down within me, therefore I remember you from the land of Jordan and Hermon, from Mount Mazar, deep calls to deep at the thunder of your cataracts. All your waves and your billows have gone over me. By day, the Lord commands his steadfast love, and at night, his song is with me, a prayer to the God of my life. I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why must I walk about mournfully because the enemy oppresses me? As with a deadly wound in my body, my adversaries taunt me, while they say to me continually, where is your God? Why are you cast down, O my soul, and why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my help and my God. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Well, good morning, everybody. My name is Ashley Griffith. It's good to be with you. I'm on staff with Edenton Street United Methodist Church, our partner church, um, and also am around here a lot as well. And it's always so good to be here. Something about the song selections, the worship this morning, I feel like we're already encountering God in this place. Um, and I just loved the music this morning already, and I'm excited to share the word that I feel God's given me for us for this day. Um, so I'd like to open in prayer. Lord, your words are like honey on my lips. They just taste good, they are sweet. And I pray, God, that we will all have ears to hear from you. Lord, we don't wanna leave this place the same as how we came today. And so we're loosening our grip just a little bit on our lives, as hard as that is to do, just giving you these moments, this space here at church saying, come Holy Spirit, um, work in us, in our hearts, our minds, our thoughts, um, move in us and draw us closer to you. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. So I just got back from fabulous two weeks vacation, and you might not know that that's even allowed for grown-ups to take two weeks off in a row. I don't think I've done that maybe my whole adult life, like since I was a college student or something. And it was fabulous, like so good that I'm like, the world's fine without me. Raleigh can just keep going and Mexico's calling my name, you know? It was just so refreshing um, and good to rest and to have fun. And I came back from that vacation just ready to go after life. And I thought I could just conquer the world or at least my job, you know, I'm like ready to roll. And then all the a sudden out of nowhere, boom, all these things, big and small, happen in my life, in my friends' lives, and it's like chaos and crazy and too much. So I went way too quickly from this, right, to that. The worst, the worst, just pulling out my hair. I don't know what it's been like for you this week, 
But for me, I have friends with unexplained health issues that are just too young to be having these kinds of issues. Um, Friends, and even myself, to be honest, with various relationship struggles with family, stressors, Uh, You get away on vacation, you come back, and you're like, whoa, 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 not so fast. I forgot about all this, right? Changes at work, people I love dearly who are struggling with depression, and I can't do anything to help them. Have a friend whose dad has been really sick, and he lost his dad this week. And so whether it was my own circumstances or those circumstances of people close to me, I found myself just in the middle, the thick of it all right? Just some really frustrating, unknown times. You don't know how it's going to end, if it's going to end. And I have a feeling that that's the story of some of us here, because I know some of your stories. Um, I'm wondering if you find yourself in that place in some aspect of your life. One of the writers and speakers that I love most and quote all the time is Shauna Nequist. Um, And she wrote this on her Instagram on Thursday, and it just really um, names where I find myself. And I wonder if you can resonate with this too. She says, her husband's name is Aaron. It seems like almost everyone in my life, Aaron and I very much included, is weathering some transitions, some losses, some deaths that we believe will bring resurrection, but haven't yet. So she goes on, her husband lost his job, his role at work. There have been a handful of other shifts, relationships changing or ending, sickness, the feeling of the stable earth shifting right under our feet, things we thought would never change, changing indeed. Life is like this. This is reality, and it is hard. I prefer the bright, shiny beginning or the ending where all the plot lines resolve, but we are in the messy, wild, unruly middle, smack dab in the not knowing. And maybe you are too. The middle is hard, especially for those of us who prefer control, specifically all of us. What I know, the only way through this is together and bent down in prayer. I'm holding tight to my people and ducking my head in prayer every time the mess and fear overwhelm me. I'm very much not doing it perfectly, but I'm beginning again every day, every day, every day. If you find yourself in the unruly, terrible middle, keep going and let prayer be your safe harbor. You're never alone and the middle never lasts for forever. So for many of us, we are in this middle place, the middle of the not knowing about something, the things we cannot control, the mess, the overwhelm, the fear. And when I thought about all these circumstances together, I thought, what does my soul need to hear, right? Because I I feel like if I can't preach these words to myself, then just don't even go there. What do I need to hear? And what do the people I know and love need to hear? And all of that led me back to one of my very favorite Psalms, which is Psalm 42. This is a sermon, I'm doing sort of a reprise. You know how in music you've got your coda and your reprise. Um, One of my top five Pastor Justin Morgan sermons that he preached, it was either New Year's Eve or New Year's Day a couple years ago, January 2015. And he, he preached from Psalm 42. And this Psalm, it starts out describing someone who is desperate, who is longing for God, who is 
thirsty, who is parched, who's in this wilderness. And I love the honesty of this psalm because it's like, God, where are you? Why have you forgotten me? Everybody's looking to me. I'm like the church girl and they're saying, where's your God now, right? Like the honesty of this psalm. But here's the pivot in this psalm. It lists off the struggle and the difficulty, but then again and again, it comes back to this refrain, for I will yet praise him, my savior and my God, for I will yet praise him. It's like this act of defiance. All of this is going on and I don't know where it's headed and I'm lost here, but I will praise him anyway in the midst of it all. So today I wanna talk about the choice that we have to continue to praise God, even from the pit. And so on Friday, I'm sort of thinking about this theme and thinking about the Psalm, and I asked my newly 13-year-old, um, sometimes you just have to ask a kid, like they usually make it simple and plain. I said, when you're having a hard time, Liam, and struggling, how do you continue to hold on and even praise God through a hard time? Well, the first thing he said is, I remember other people have it worse. And I'm like, yeah, but that doesn't really preach. <laughs> you know, like that's kind of bad. Like, well, it's bad, but it could be worse. That's not really a word of hope, but that's true. But then he said this, and I love it. It's so good. Liam said, first, I remember all the good things God has done for me in the past. And then I remember that no matter how bad things get, I can always come home to a family who loves me. Hashtag the kids are all right. Um, and thanks to y'all for raising our kids because we don't know what we're doing. So thank you for modeling this faith and Cody and others and Rush and Sarah, all y'all. Um, but I think that these two ideas that Liam said are the main points of Psalm 42 is whether we're t a teenager who's going through all of that, no thank you, or whether we're a middle-aged person in our own kind of angst or crisis, like, is this all it is? Am I on the right path here? Or whether we're an older adult facing those unknowns. These two truths from Psalm 42, from the, the mouth of Liam, I think will help us, and that's this. We remind ourselves and each other of God's goodness. And two, we come home to God and to one another. This week, it occurred to me, you know, Liam said one of the things is he knows he can come home to a family that loves him. And I'm glad he knows that. Like if that's all he ever knows in life, good. I want him to know that. But y'all, we get to be each other's family as well. Because in the, in the word of God, God talks about the family of God, that we are Christ's brothers and sisters and we are one another's family. And I just wanna name some of us grew up with awesome families and we're really close and we go on summer vacation together, but some of us not so much. And I wanna tell you that we wanna be your family and I want you to be my family and we get to do that here. One of the things I love about Church on Morgan is that we are a diverse group of people. Um, we don't all have the same background or spiritual convictions even. Um, we don't have the same experiences necessarily. And we're definitely not like an answer factory church, right? Like have to believe this, you're in. If not, you're out. It's really not how things roll here. But if you are part of us, your family, and I want you to know that you'll always be family here, no matter what, and have a family here to love you. Let's face it, some of us show up on a Sunday and horrible things have happened this week and nobody would know just by looking at us, kind of the little hells we've been through this week, whether it be relational or otherwise. 
I know I spent a good part of my week at Wake Med in the ER and then in a room there, and that situation's not even fully resolved. I was with someone I love, but also just looking at others coming through that ER, and I'm like, man, life is rough and not always pretty and doesn't always smell good or look good. Some of us today, we're not sure how we're gonna make it through this day or this week. We have something that seems insurmountable ahead of us, or even we don't know if we'll make it through this season of our lives. But for some reason, we find ourselves here today. And this is one of the things I love about being part of a community of faith. And I think it sounds a little weird, but I'm so convinced it's true. We can borrow faith from one another. And you're like, no way, everybody's accountable on his or her own to God. Well, yes, that's true. But there are times when I can't muster up faith on my own. I just don't have it. And I might want you to think that I do, but I am just in a lost place or in that dry and weary land. And so I rely on you and your faith to help get me through. I lived this out when I was a hospital chaplain in training and seminary. They, they throw you into the trenches of real life and you have nothing to say and you don't know anything and yet you're supposed to somehow be a beacon of God's love. And I remember going into a hospital room with a woman who was like um, late 40s and she had had a stroke and she could not talk. She had kids in middle school. I mean, she did not know if she's gonna regain speech. And I looked on the chart and it said she was Catholic and she just looked so afraid, her eyes were. And I went and sort of sat on the edge of her bed and asked, you know, can I hold your hands? And I'm like, oh God, I have no idea how to pray. And I saw that, you know, since she's Catholic and I'm, I was like, okay, I'm gonna pray the words for the Our Father. So Our Father who art in heaven. And she couldn't say the words and no sound came out, but she was just kind of moving her lips and the tears were streaming down. And I thought, oh my God, she is able to borrow my faith. Like this is touching something in her with God, even though she does not have the words. And in a less dramatic way, when I come here and I cannot sing the songs because there's a lump in my throat, Zach sings. And I let his faith for the day carry me. I borrow Zach's faith when he sings from the piano. And that's a way that I will yet praise him, that I continue to praise God even when I can't. I come and I borrow the faith of all y'all. Or when Kylie leads a prayer or Justin leads a prayer up here and I don't know how to pray and I don't have the words and I don't even know what I think right now, I let their prayer be my prayer. Y'all know what I'm talking about, borrowing someone's faith? When I see these flowers here um, that Laura Swain puts together or today Shay did them, I realize that no matter the ugliness in the world or in my own life or relationships, if I come here, I see this simple beauty, that there is beauty and goodness and God is still near. And when I come forward for communion like we will today, and when Tracy Rowe or Meredith Etheridge or one of you gives me bread and says, the body of Christ broken for you, I allow myself to receive grace despite my fears and my doubts. And so we borrow each other's faith because it's enough. And sometimes that's the best we can muster when we find ourselves together. When I, even when I don't have the words, when I come to this table, I know I come hungry somewhere deep inside of me that I can't name, and I leave having tasted and been filled mysteriously with Jesus, and that's enough. 
When we praise God, even in the middle of uncertainty and struggle, we are choosing to ground ourselves in hope. And that's what we do when we come together. That's what we do um, when we say, I will yet praise you, God. I don't know what's going on and I wish it would end, but I will praise you anyway. And so when you can't see a way forward, will you do an experiment with me as soon as this week to show up to God and praise God anyway, to list your blessings back to God and to remember God's goodness in the past, continue to show up here with this family and borrow faith from us. When I first started working at Edenton Street about four years ago, there was a period, Justin was my boss and we were new friends, and there was this period in ministry where this whole thing, Churchill Morgan, um, was just a dream, was just a hope that Justin carried and some of us came around and others carried. And, um, and we prayed and we worked and we yearned toward this, but they were not glory days. It feels like there was resistance and opposition right and left and it would be one step forward and two steps back. And they were hard times. And so Justin helped me to see in this Psalm 42, it says, I will remember God's goodness. I will rehearse God's goodness. And we got into the practice of doing that. So I want to invite you to find a friend. Um, it can be a roommate, um, a, just a friend from work, me, Justin, Kylie, a spouse, anyone, and get in the habit of saying back to each other God's goodness. So like when things were really bad and the text would start flying, oh my gosh, this happened and now this, and what are we gonna do about this? It's like at some point, one of us would pause and say, but hold on, how is God being good? Where do we see hope? How is God being faithful? And it might be the smallest thing, like I got to play on the floor with my kid and played Legos and there was joy and there was fun, you know, but like rehearsing to one another God's faithfulness. Let me share that something I've found to be true, that my praise, when I've chosen to give praise in the midst of hard times, that praise has never come back empty. In fact, some of my most powerful times that have shaped me as a Christian have been when I'm calling out with the tears and the snot and the aloneness of my room and no one's around and I would never Instagram it, but God is there. And if God wants to be there for you and for me in our ugly, broken moments, that tells us that God is interested in more than our performance or more than our perfection, as if we could be. One of the things I love about God and cling to in this in-between time and that I like to remind others of is this, just because I'm overwhelmed doesn't mean God is. In fact, God is not overwhelmed. God is not shocked. God is not stumped. We might not have the answer, but God is still God and God is still good. And one of the places we see this, that God is not shocked or surprised even by our screw ups and mess ups is in John four. It's the story of Jesus and that Samaritan woman at the well. A Samaritan woman is a non-Jewish woman. And so Jesus comes to the well and addresses this woman, which was taboo on various levels. For one, he was a Jewish man speaking to a non-Jew, to a woman at that, and he asks her for water. And she's like, whoa, you should not even be talking to me. And you don't have a bucket. How am I gonna get you water? And then Jesus flips it around. And he's like, actually, I am the living water and you will never thirst again if you were to, to receive this living water. And she's just totally stumped. Jesus says, 
go back and get your husband. And she says, actually, Lord, uh, uh, she doesn't say Lord. She says, actually, I don't have a husband. And he says, that's right. You've had five husbands and the man you live with now is not your husband. Think of the pain in this woman's life that each of those husbands is probably a story in and of itself involving humiliation, pain, betrayal, possibly death. We don't know. But Jesus knows all about her. He knows about these five plus men. He knows every man she slept with, apparently. Jesus doesn't condemn her in that moment. He doesn't even take it as a learning opportunity, you know, to set her straight in any way. Jesus offers himself living water. The thing that she thought might have kept her out, right? Her past, her present, even still, God invites her in. Jesus invites her in to relationship. He says, I see all of you and I want you still. And Jesus says that to us today. I see all of you and I want you still. Even the things we think might disqualify us from being with Jesus, Jesus sees those things, names those things, doesn't hide from them or sugarcoat them, but Jesus invites us near anyway. Nothing surprises God. God is not stumped or overwhelmed even when we are. And so we have reason, friends, to keep praising God. I will yet praise him, my Lord and my God, through the tragedies, through the frustrating parts, the unknown and the uncertainty and the yearning. Our songs, our prayers, this cup here, they're all here to remind us, to remind you, to remind me that God is still here and still worthy to be praised through it all. And so maybe today you came burdened or hungry or lost or fed up, and I want to give you this simple word of truth. God is for you. God is running after you. God is on your side. This is not the end. One of my favorite verses from this whole psalm is in um, verse 7, and in the New International Version, it's it doesn't talk about cataracts. That makes me think about eyes. So I'm not sure about that. But in the NIV, it says, deep calls to deep in the roar of your waterfalls, all your waves and breakers have swept over me. So today it might feel like there are waves crashing into you, that life is just one big wave and you can't catch your breath. Every time you try to pop up, there's another wave. That might be where you are today. Or it might be that you're well aware of God's grace, that each wave is a wave of grace, a wave of hope, a wave of mercy. But regardless, when chaos sweeps over us, when we're aware of God's goodness, God's love, will we be the people who say, I will yet praise him? Because our praise will never come back empty. And so I wanna end with a prayer that I did not write. This is another way we can borrow faith from someone else. This is a prayer by a priest named Thomas Merton. And um, all you have to do is Google Thomas Merton prayer. Um, and I'll probably put it on social media. And I have a bunch of cards cut that a few years ago I had made because it seemed like almost every conversation I had with someone, if they were struggling or didn't know the way or were waiting on something, trying to follow God, but just don't know if we're doing it right that this prayer spoke 
to so many people in that circumstance, and it speaks to me and to people I love today. So we're going to um, pray this prayer in closing now, and we're going to say it out loud together, and we're going to say it slowly, and pray that the Holy Spirit seeps love and grace and the goodness of God as we say this prayer together. So let us pray. My Lord God, I have no idea where I am going. I do not see the road ahead of me. I cannot know for certain where it will end, nor do I really know myself. And the fact that I think I am following your will does not mean that I am actually doing so. But I believe that the desire to please you does in fact please you. And I hope that I have that desire in all that I'm doing. I hope that I will never do anything apart from that desire. And I know that if I do this, you will lead me by the right road, though I may know nothing about it. Therefore, I will trust you always, though I may seem to be lost and in the shadow of death. I will not fear for you are ever with me, and you will never leave me to face my perils alone. Amen.